Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. We are here. This is just Antoine, and uh, we're we're at Let's Get Growing, man. Day 26. Praise God. We are just uh, uh, talking about a man and his marriage and how that we need to, you know, have a fulfilling life with our wife and our spouses and our significant other. Um, truly God has uh, a plan for this. You know, a lot of times people say, well, there's no blueprint. Well, there is a blueprint. There is guidance and it's all found in the word of God. And we just don't want to look to it. We don't want to dig into it. Um, but I thank God for this um, platform because it helps us. It, it, it gets us started in the right direction to building a relationship with our spouses that will be everlasting and that will be um, have fortitude and be able to uh, accomplish that which God has ordained for it to accomplish. And so um, we are excited to be here today. We're excited and related that God has made choice of us and given us an opportunity to be alive on this day, you know, and this is just it's just purely a miracle. You know, we're so close to death when we're sleeping. And um, but that finger of love that um, the, the old folk, old saints used to say that that touched us this morning and and woke us up, you know, giving us a regional portion of strength and uh, clothed us in the in our right mind. Truly all glory goes to God and he he gets all the praise and and honor that um truly he deserves praise god and so we're lesson one yesterday session one was just um fantastic and um i'm looking forward to today's session and uh, lesson um because i want god to speak to my heart you know i i've been divorced a few times <laughs> not proud to say but um you know, I believe that God has a, a better plan for me. I, I believe he needs to grow me up in the area of marriage and um, show me what I need to do. And, you know, because I'm the common denominator in all of them. Right. Um, and so I, I realized that I, there are some personal issues with me that I have to overcome so that I can be um, what God intended me to be and and go to that next level. Uh, in my life, you know, it's just, it's just an awesome thing, you know, that God is concerned about little old me and, you know, the God of the universe, the, the great I am, the one who spoke the worlds into existence, you know, without him, nothing exists, you know, and by him, all things consist. And so, you know, he's in love with me and I'm in love with him, praise God. And he's in love with you as well. And so, um, this is a blessing and we have to embrace it every day, you know, that we, we are allowed to be on this planet, uh, to, uh, share with God that, uh, his love for us and, and, uh, his love for others, praise God. So, um, let's go ahead and jump into session. We're in, uh, volume, volume five and session two, and, uh, it's going great. I think it is anyway. Uh, not getting a whole lot of feedback, but um, I, I believe that God is working. And so if you're out there uh, um, listening, please share it with um, some friends. Um, also like it as well. Like us on um, Facebook. We're 
Uh, let's get growing, man. Just Antoine on YouTube as well. Um, we're um, we're just putting it out there, getting the information out so that people can go to the next level and evolve as a uh, uh, man of God, and um, you know, and then take their families with them into that thing. So you know, it's it's uh, it's tight, but it's right, you know. Um, and so let's go ahead and dive into it. Let's. Let's get it queued up here. Hallelujah. All right, guys, we've spent the last two sessions looking at some of the wise things that you can do to cultivate a healthy marriage in your home. We explored the importance of intimacy with your wife, both emotional. Hey guys, I, I didn't. Uh, oh, great! <laughs> queued up the wrong one. Let me let me make a change to that. Hallelujah! But uh, yeah, I'm like the last two lessons. There we go. All right, we got the right one. <laughs> Welcome back, man. In the last session, we introduced some foundational building blocks of marriage. We talked to you about both its origin and its design. And we introduced you to the core role of a husband. We showed you what a husband is designed to be for his wife, a servant leader. Now in this session, we want to show you how a husband can do that. How you can be motivated and empowered to be a servant leader to your wife. And remember, Every man needs to have his own training guide. It's essential. It gives you the tools and the place to work out your journey toward authentic manhood. Let's get started. Something just to me is not, it's not thinking about the other person and what they're feeling. It's just everything's all about you. So if everything's all about you, why get married? I think that when you do get married, and it's very important for serving in the relationship. Uh, no, I say you probably um, you're probably only happy thirty percent of the time if you get married. Um, oh, if you're constantly thinking about yourself, your needs, your wants, and you're not putting the other person's needs and wants ahead of yours, sometimes, of course, the other person is going to feel not loved, not wanted, and he's going to look for someone else to fill, fulfill those needs. When I'm tempted to be selfish, it destroys, uh, first, my relationship with the Lord. Secondly, my relationship with, the, with my wife. I mean, marriage, from what I understand, is a give and take. Oh, I'm very selfish. <laughs> I want what I want when I want it. So I think selfishness really sort of unevens the table a little bit. My role in marriage is, is to please God, to please the Lord, and to be a loving husband to my wife that glorifies God in all that I do and all that I say. Selfishness can be the root of all evil in a marriage. It can be a very destructive force. If you have one person who's unhappy, who's looking for the other person to make them happy, I mean, it doesn't work. 
I think God allows us to have happiness in it, but there are moments where that may be challenged because you may go through life issues, trials or whatever, and happiness may not be there for a second. But I think ultimately God uses marriage, especially for the believer, really for sanctification, to really kind of smooth off some rough edges, uh, to, to pull some stuff out of your life, to pull things out of your heart uh, that only another person who is exactly opposite of you can really bring out. It's truly a partnership, you know what I mean? It shouldn't be like, I'm doing all the work and you're not. You're a married couple. You should think together as one. You should make decisions together as one. And when you forget to do that, you can cause a lot of turmoil. I'm very traditional. I think the man should definitely be the, the provider and the protector and should serve the household in that way. You don't need to be married to be happy with another person. You can easily live together and love each other and not have to be married. It's funny that the beauty of marriage is that it all comes it seems it seems to all come together in the end, but it's the hardest fight of your life though. Men, we need to recognize an enemy an enemy that will keep any one of us from servant leadership. It's an enemy that will sabotage your best intentions and best laid plans for a healthy and fulfilling marriage. And that enemy is you. We all have this incredible propensity to serve ourselves rather than think about others. It's why the Apostle Paul had to remind us in Philippians 2 to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. A selfless servant leader posture just doesn't come naturally. Unfortunately, self-centeredness comes naturally to all of us. The Bible teaches us that without God's spirit and God's help, all of us automatically think of ourselves first, our needs, our wants, our desires. And that's why when it comes to marriage, it's easy for us to have a me mentality, to just naturally think of what we can get out of marriage rather than what we can give. To think of marriage as just a means of meeting my needs and my expectations. In fact, the, the default paradigm for marriage is that its primary purpose is for your happiness and your self-fulfillment. Just find someone who can make you happy. And sadly, that line, you just don't make me happy anymore, is one of the main excuses for divorce. But here's what we've got to know. If we're to have any hope of a healthy and fulfilling marriage, and guys, this is a game-changing statement. Marriage isn't primarily or directly about our happiness. Now, don't check out because you think I'm not for your happiness. I am, but you'll never be truly happy until you understand that there's a bigger purpose for marriage and a grander vision for what it can be. One of the main threads running throughout the Bible and through all of the volumes of 33 is that life isn't just about you and that authentic manhood is not about your momentary happiness and your glory. It's about true life that's lived for God for his glory and for others. Jesus, our model for authentic manhood, makes it really clear that true life, a meaningful and fulfilling life, is one that's lived for God and for others. He said it like this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we need to get outside ourselves and think of others first, especially in marriage. And that's our first point. Recognize that you, when you're focused on yourself and your own happiness, you are your biggest enemy to servant leadership. You are your biggest enemy to your own marriage. That's why Pastor Tim Keller concludes that if two spouses each say, I'm going to treat my self-centeredness as the main problem in the marriage, then you have the prospect of a truly great marriage. It's simple. We'll never enjoy a great marriage until we recognize our own self-centeredness as the main roadblock. So how do we do that? Well, it all begins with what we call the paradox principle. It's the example Jesus gave us, and it's at the core of servant leadership. A paradox is a seemingly absurd statement, but at the same time, it's true. On the surface, it appears to be contradictory, but upon deeper investigation or application, it proves true and trustworthy. Here's the paradox principle. We die to ourselves in order to truly live. We die to live. When we get our attention and our focus off of ourselves and turn our attention to serving God and blessing others, we begin to truly live. We die to live. Hey, on the surface, that doesn't sound right. I mean, how can we ever want that? How can death lead to life? Well, Jesus is our model for servant leadership and authentic manhood. It's what he teaches us. It's what he modeled for us. In Luke 9, Jesus told his followers, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. In Mark 10, Jesus said, Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And in Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul says this about Jesus. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Jesus lived and he modeled a life of self-sacrifice for the benefit of others. He embodied the paradox principle. He knew that serving others and living for the glory of God leads to a fuller life, a deeper gladness. Now remember, he came to earth to give us life and not this cheap, self-centered and self-focused life, but a deep, truly fulfilling, abundant life, the life of authentic manhood. And when you, like Jesus, live for God and serve others, you find true life and a deeper fulfillment then when you're just focused on yourself, you die to live. 
When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, which was the culminating event of his life in all of history, he provided the ultimate example of the paradox principle. He died for us. And then he rose from the dead to bring life, abundant life, eternal life. And that's good news for those who are in relationship with him. His death, his burial, his resurrection, all for us. It's the gospel, the good news that through Jesus, God offers us this amazing and unexplainable grace that changes everything for those who follow him. Now, here's why that's important. Hey, guys, I just wanted to uh, pause right there and jump in. I mean, truly, you know, dying to self and dying to to um, our desires and our wants and our whims, you know, uh, it's truly a blessing when we can just put others before ourselves. Now, that's been... That's been a challenge for me, you know, but I, I'm learning that when we yield our lives to Jesus and we live for God, um, it's easier to just realize that, hey, you know what? I'm going to bless you today. You know, I've been so blessed. I, I'm going to return that blessing. And and then to look at it from a servant, you know, Jesus came to serve in and, you know, I never thought of, you know, marriage that I'm I'm the servant of the house. You know, um, I always look to my wife to be the servant, you know, but, you know, this so this changes my perspective on what marriage should be and what my role should be in marriage. And it, it really challenges me um, to be able to realize that, you know, I got to die to myself daily uh, e even in my household, even in my marriage, and I'm not married now, but I, you know, I realize that that's important, and that's probably where I, well, not probably, that's where I made my mistake. I wasn't serving, you know. Um, there were some other faults, but you know, I, I see that now, and I, I thank God for opening my eyes. You know, it takes the Lord. It takes the Lord to open our eyes. And so when we start seeing things or some people can't see things, that's what we need to pray for them. Right. And say, God, open their eyes that they may see um, who you are and, and what role that you have in their lives and, and, and then lead them into that path of righteousness. God has to lead us. We can't do this on our own, men. We cannot do this on our own. We have to have a superior being operating in our lives at all times. Um, if we're going to want success and, and, and so, it, it takes some of the burden off of us when we realize that we have a God that's on our side, that cares about us, that gives us room for error, that gives us room to grow and, 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 and loves us. You know, he has a loving hand towards us. Um, I remember what David said. He said, I would rather fall into the hands of God than the hands of men, you know, and when you realize that God, you're falling into the hands of God that cares about you, that loves you unconditionally, and that wants the best for you, that life and life abundantly that he wants for us, you know, it, it, it causes us to relax and really um, 
go into the groove that he has set for us, the path that he has set for us so that we can be that servant in our household. All right, let's get back to the lesson. I just wanted to jump in there. Important for marriage. The grace that Jesus offers us in his self-sacrifice is both the example and the motivation for our servant leadership in marriage. It's the most amazing example of servant leadership. And it shows us how death can bring life. Jesus died so that those in relationship with him can really live. In the same way as husbands, well, we die to ourselves so that our wives can really live. Ephesians 5 says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, guys, that doesn't mean becoming a pushover or a, a guy who never expresses his needs or desires. Jesus wasn't a pushover. He was a strong and passionate man. He was tough and tender. Tough when the situation called for it and tender when he needed to be. But he lived and died with a life-giving spirit that blessed others. And not only is Jesus our example, but what better motivation could we ever have for our servant leadership in marriage? When we understand that our creator sacrificed his very own son so that we can be forgiven of our shortcomings, when we have personally experienced God's amazing grace toward us, and the power of his forgiveness in our own life. Well, we become motivated and even empowered to forgive and show that same grace to our wife. It's why in Colossians 3:13, Paul says, "As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive." It's inevitable. You and your spouse are both broken. You both married sinners. And her brokenness, just like yours, is going to come out in marriage. She's going to disappoint you. She's going to wrong you. But just as God has forgiven you an enormous debt, so also can you forgive her. Just as God has covered you with love, regardless of your imperfections or performance, now you are free and empowered to love your wife, regardless of her imperfections or her performance. Like God did for us, we are motivated to treat others better than they deserve. Uh, we show others, and especially our wife, unmerited favor. God calls you to love your wife, not fix your wife. So what's the essence of servant leadership? It's the paradox principle, die to live. When we die to ourselves, and live for others, and for the glory of God, we find true life. It's what God did for us in Jesus, giving us both an example to follow and the motivation to live it. Die a little, and you can live a lot. Guys, the paradox principle is at the core of every healthy and vibrant marriage. One of the most humbling things to face in marriage is that my biggest marriage problem exists inside of me, not outside of me. That's not 
normal for us to think that way. And the Bible is very helpful. The Bible names it. It says that Jesus came so that those who live would no longer live for themselves. Now, what the Bible is saying is that the DNA of sin is selfishness. That's the normal posture for me. It gets played out in these very, very important ways in, in marriage. I think there are many, many men who by the time they get home from work on a given evening, all they really want is to be left alone. They're not driving home saying, I'm going into an environment that's one of the most important, valuable things for me. I'm gonna go eyes open, ears open, heart open, engaged. I wanna be left alone. And their goal is to somehow be able to check out and just chill. That's the selfishness of sin. But the hardest thing for me was to accept that I was my biggest marriage problem. I kept telling myself, and I kept telling Luella, that her problem was discontent and I would pray for her. I mean, there, there was a moment where I actually said to my wife, I, these words came out of my mouth, 95% of the women in our church would love to be married to a man like me. How's that for humility? Luella very quickly informed me she was in the 5%. I resisted the evidence that was everywhere around me that I was my problem that I was impatient and demanding and disconnected and angry. And I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to think that it was Luella. Now, what that did is it locked me into marriage paralysis because it's only when you admit you have a problem that you get interested in change, that you seek out the help of the Lord Jesus and you begin to take seriously his grace and his call to you. You see, grace is only interested, interesting to the needy. And I kept telling myself that I wasn't needy. What I would encourage you to do is stand in front of the mirror of the word of God and look at yourself as you actually are. Let down your defenses and receive the help that God has for you. I've been married for 42 years. I have a wonderful wife. We have a wonderful friendship together. None of that would have happened. I wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing right now if it hadn't been for coming to that point where I said, I'm a mess and I need God's help. I need to be rescued from me. I need the help of God's grace so that I desire and actually become the kind of servant that is necessary for this marriage to work. That's not normal for me. Guys, own it. That's not normal for you. You need help. Maybe one of the best ways to talk about what it means to be a servant leader is to think about what the Bible says about love. Here's love. Love is willing self-sacrifice for the good of another that does not demand reciprocation or that the person being loved is deserving. Now think about this. Love is willing. You could argue that the key character quality of love is willingness. And so I go into this relationship, I'm willing to serve you. You don't have to guilt me into it. You don't have to nag me into it. I'm willing. Love loves to love. If you have to be forced to love, you have to be forced to love because you don't love. Love is willing self-sacrifice. There's just no such thing as love that doesn't require sacrifice. I'll get up early in the morning. 
I'll stay up later at night. I'm willing to have that conversation 10,000 times. I'll forgive you for forever. I will be willing to wait for you. I will do menial, dirty, dirty tasks for you. I'm willing to sacrifice for you because I love you. And it doesn't demand reciprocation. I'm not loving you because you're deserving. Listen, guys, you're married to a less than perfect woman. If you suspend love at every moment, she doesn't deserve it. You spend a whole lot of your relationship not loving this woman. Where do we get that example? From the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate example of that kind of love. But here's what you understand. He doesn't just live as an example for love. He is your means of being able to love. He offers you every grace you need to make the kind of sacrifices that are crucial to this relationship being what God meant for it to be. So we've shown you the enemy of servant leadership, and the enemy is you. We've also shown you the essence of servant leadership, die to live. And now we want to show you the different areas of servant leadership in marriage. As the servant leader, the husband is called to offer leadership in four main areas, the spiritual, emotional, financial, and physical health of the home. In other words, the husband is called to be the spiritual leader, the emotional encourager, the financial provider, and the physical protector. And in each of those areas, a husband can be both a leader and a servant. And that's not an either or, but a both and. He can provide both oversight and sacrifice. He can take the initiative, but a type of initiative that's for the benefit of others. Let's look first at the spiritual health of the home, the husband's role as spiritual leader. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to be some spiritual superstar. It really just means incorporating a few practices into your relationship with your wife and your family rhythms. You die a little and you can live a lot. For example, you and your wife can pray throughout the week or go through a devotional together. You can make sure your family is plugged in to a good gospel-centered church or encourage your wife to pursue mentors, friends, and books that are spiritually nourishing to her as you model doing the same. And then you can create time and money for those pursuits. As spiritual leader, you are also making sure that you're loving the soul of your wife. You're discussing spiritual truths, sharing in your spiritual journey, growing in God's grace together. Hey, we understand that this doesn't come naturally, but we are definitely called to it. And here's the fun part. As we bless the soul of our wife, our soul is blessed as well. Now, again, we're not talking about preaching sermons, but you can initiate and learn to be open about your own spiritual journey and model living life in the light of God's grace. Now, let's look at the husband's role as emotional encourager. This is about being aware of and sensitive to our wife's emotions. For many men, it's easy to just numb out emotions or be unaware of her emotional needs. But in 1 Peter 3, the apostle Peter tells husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. This means that as a husband, you understand that she's not like you. She's different. She's 
a woman. And she needs emotional responsiveness from you. She needs you to enter the world of emotions with her and converse with her on that level. Now remember, guys, die a little and you can live a lot. Now, you don't have to be a psychologist, but by simply asking her good questions, uh, being willing to openly share yourself, and being a good listener, you can create an emotionally healthy marriage. For example, uh, you can ask her how she's been doing, not just what she's been doing. You can create time for the two of you to connect and talk. You can become intimately familiar with her world, her past, her present, her hopes, dreams, and fears. Entering that world with her isn't just something you do in dating. Wise is the husband who makes a habit of keeping up to date and being keenly aware of what his wife is feeling and thinking. You make pursuing her heart a lifelong mission. Also, wise is the husband who does the work to know himself emotionally and share what he's feeling with his wife. You see, your wife gets deep joy from knowing you and hearing you share. So do the hard work of knowing yourself at a deep rather than shallow level and be able to communicate what you're feeling to your wife. One marriage expert said this, there are few gifts a couple can give each other greater than the joy that comes from feeling known and understood. Guys, it is a good and beautiful thing to create a home where it's okay for your wife or kids to feel their feelings, to feel sad or glad, to feel mad or joyful. Emotionally healthy families don't hide or suppress emotions. They feel them. They tell the truth about them and take them to God. Your role as emotional encourager also means the oversight of joy and fun in your home. This is your amazing opportunity to make sure that your home is one of laughter and celebration, good food and music, lighthearted humor and play. You're not this somber, serious, just the facts husband or father. You're laughing loudest, creating joy and memories, ensuring that there are marked moments in your home and that people are celebrated. Now, what about the husband's role as financial provider? his responsibility to oversee the financial health of the home. Guys, this is a basic duty of manhood. Paul makes this clear in 1 Timothy 5. He says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially the members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, biblically, there is nothing wrong with women working outside the home. But God has charged us with the responsibility of acquiring sufficient funds to take care of our family. This doesn't mean that we have to be rich, but it does mean that we bear the burden. We make the sacrifice needed. We make wise decisions so that, for example, your wife doesn't have to work if she doesn't desire to. We work the extra hours or the extra job. We're willing to spend less on gadgets and toys in order to save for the future. 
Remember, die a little and you can live a lot. Now, of course, there are seasons of unemployment or underemployment and adjustments have to be made. And some women prefer to work. But if possible, give your wife the option not to work outside the home if she chooses. Hey, what a great gift to be able to offer your soulmate. Oversight of the financial health of the home also means that you're planning for the future. You're making sure that your family spends less than it makes and is avoiding foolish debt. You make sure that you're living within your means and saving for the future and that you're taking care of your family with adequate insurance and a will. And you don't have to have a sophisticated finance degree to do those things. You don't even have to be keeping the books for your family. Hey, maybe your wife and you have agreed that she's better at that. Well, great. But still, you're making sure that you and your wife are having the key conversations about finances and financial expectations. Hey, guys, there are plenty of great resources to help you in this area, and we've recommended several of them in your training guide. The final area of servant leadership that we want to look at is the physical health of the home and the husband's role as physical protector. To keep your family safe and out of harm's way, hey, hopefully, even as you hear this, you feel the natural instinct to do it to want to protect your wife and family. At a very basic level, this means that a husband, if he's able, stands between his family and physical danger. If there's a burglar, well, he goes downstairs first. If there's a fire, he's the last one out. He's the first one in and the last one out. He goes outside and de-ices the car in bad weather. He goes out at 2 a.m. to buy the baby formula. He takes the trash out. He carries the luggage and he opens the door. He sacrifices physically so she doesn't have to. But there's also a bigger picture here. A husband's responsibility also extends to what he lets into his home. He takes the lead and he supports his wife by staying on top of what his family is consuming from the outside, proactively guiding them towards healthy influences and away from unhealthy junk that will harm them. He recognizes that evil is a reality in this world, and he provides the leadership to protect them from it. Die a little, and you can live a lot. So, spiritual leader, emotional encourager, financial provider, and physical protector. Those are four important areas where a man can exhibit servant leadership for his wife and family. Four areas where a man can die to bring life to his marriage, where he can die to live. If I were to ask you if you wanted to be a better man, particularly if you're a married man. I don't think any man would say no. As a matter of fact, I think deep down, all of us long to be better men in our workplaces, with our children, with our wives, uh, in the full scope of, of our areas of responsibility and weight. And so if we're gonna be better men, uh, particularly in our marriage, then I don't think there's any better place to start than uh, 
to first think through how we are emotional providers for our wives and initiators. That's what it means to be a better man, uh, that she doesn't have to wonder how you feel about her. She doesn't have to wonder if you're going to be there for her. She doesn't ever have to wonder if she feels heard because you initiate those conversations. In the context of being a better man, I don't know uh, a better way to look at it uh, than to say that my wife will never have to have the burden uh, of wondering where we're going financially or what our money is doing or if we have a plan because I'm going to serve her in that capacity. Uh, same thing with spiritual initiation and, and her knowing that, uh, as Ephesians 5 says, that as a servant leader, that you're going to die to yourself so that she can flourish, so that she can be all that God designed and created her to be. And so when we think about this question of how to be a better man, here we have these four incredible principles that give us a context and a, and a boundary to say that if God would will it, if he would, would give me, as Colossians 1.28 says, all his energy to accomplish this, uh, that I can be a better man. And the impact of that is so far reaching, not only to my wife and to my children, but to the full breadth of where God has made me responsible in this world to carry out the specific calling that he's given me. That is not some farce or a far reaching reality that only the most elite can accomplish. Because here in this series, here with these four things, uh, we've been given action steps that we can take. And so now the ball's in your court. It's in your hand to determine if you're going to run with it. You are, by the grace of God, going to be a better man. If you'll continue to sit back and let life happen to you rather than making life happen. How can you be a servant leader by coming through for your wife and family as the spiritual leader, emotional encourager, financial provider, and physical protector? Guys, process the answers to these questions. You also have some great discussion questions in your training guide. All of this can help you formulate your strategic moves for this session which, remember, is building toward your action plan that we'll complete at the end of the series. Next week, we're going to explore the life-giving principle of friendship in marriage. It may be a new way for you to even think about your marriage. Happy marriages are based on deep friendships. I would say friendship is very important in marriage. Marriage is not about cohabiting in the same domain and having sex once in a while. You're committed to having a marriage where you actually care about their lives. You care about this person. Don't believe the lie that you already know everything about her. You're a broken man married to a broken woman. Become a lifelong student of your wife. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Is that challenging or what? <laughs> we, we see that um, we're called to be a servant leader. Um, and those four principles, I'm, I'm looking in my, my guide here. Um, the first pr four principles, a spiritual leader, emotional encourager, financial provider, and physical protector. And uh, as we uh, take those principles to heart, 
as men and uh, as as the men of our household, then that that can govern our actions. And that's what it's really all about and and how we communicate and how we um, view what's happening. Right. And, and how we prepare for what is needed. And um, that's it, it's just it's so on point. And they I mean, this stuff is power packed and um, there are several different um, lessons that you can you can read and and go through with your spouse. Um, I'll make this available. It's it's 15 bucks at um, uh, what is it? AuthenticManhood.com. So you can get that, get it there. But if you if you don't have that, then um, I can definitely, you know, upload these to you and, and, and make sure you have a copy to share with you and your your spouse. And so um, that's what it's really all about, guys. We we have to get to a place where we desire to be better and and really care for those that God has placed in our care, right? <laughs> and so um, it, it, it's essential. It's necessary. That's why we wanted to uh, start this. Let's get growing, man. Uh, it's it, it's time, right? It's time. It's time out for foolishness. It's time out for selfishness. It's time out for um, trying to do it on our own and without the proper guidance um, that God has left for us. And I'm going to leave you with this. And I've, sh- I've shared this before that anything that God is requiring out of you, he has left his spirit to assist you. His spirit um, is the his ability that he gives us to do stuff that we couldn't normally do on our own. Right. And so, and and another term for it is anointing. God anoints us to be the head of our household. He anoints us to be that spiritual leader. He anoints us to be that encourager, um, uh, emotional encourager. He anoints us to be that protector of our household. He anoints us to be that financial leader in our household. And so there's an anointing that God has for you because he's requiring this out of you. So he's not going to just leave you to fend for yourself to be able to accomplish this. He's going to he has enabled us with his spirit um, to be able to do that. And if you don't have his spirit, then you have to ask for his spirit. But you can't you can't have his spirit without having him. So first you have to invite him into your life. And once you invite him into your life, you say, God, empower me to be the man that you call me to be. Give me your spirit to dwell on the inside of me so that I can be the best man that I can be and I can accomplish your will for my life. And then, you know, you have to die and to live. This is just Antoine. I'm excited, elated that you have joined in and and I'm asking you and I'm commissioning you to share this with somebody else. God bless you. I'll see you at the top. Bye for now.